Thank you, team. Hey, why don't we give a big round of applause to the team for leading us this morning. I want to say a special shout out to John for rocking it on that bass, yeah? Especially in that first song. And uh, you may or may not know, but uh, maybe he was a bit louder because his wife Tracy is back there on the sound desk. Maybe there were some favourites going on, I don't know. Round of applause for Tracy, our sound tech today. What a great morning. Look, if you are new to One Heart or new to a church like ours, we just want you to feel so welcome and we hope that you're having a great morning. And, um, and in this part of the service, we have what we call a preaching and there's actually two parts in it. There's my part, obviously, where I get the microphone today. I get to talk. Thank you, Gabriel. And there's a role for you to play as well, which is the listener. Um, in today's society, especially if you're a younger person, I guess, we use this term when we're like watching TV or watching YouTube or something where we say we're consuming entertainment. Have you heard that? We consume entertainment. How do you consume your entertainment is a question the media asks you. And it's really 100% passive most of the time. We just kind of watch a show or YouTube or even like listen to a very inspiring TED talk. It's, it's still very passive. But when it comes to preaching, when it comes to listening, with a shout out to you if you're on the podcast as well, if you're listening to somebody who is sharing the word of God, then our listening needs to be a bit more than just totally passive. In Luke 18, 8, Jesus says, therefore consider carefully how you listen. Quite a few times in the Gospels, Jesus talks about don't just listen but hear it. Or people are listening but they're not hearing. And it's not to say like, you guys should listen to me because I'm all that. I'm such a special speaker. Not at all. Uh, my comfort and confidence comes in the Bible where God speaks through a donkey. And also you may be familiar with Moses. He speaks through a shrub. I mean, it's a shrub on fire. So it kind of doesn't matter who this preacher is in a sense. What we believe, like what we've just been singing, is that God is present here today and God wants to speak with you. And I want to encourage you in your role as a listener as I'm going through these verses as we break open God's word today, that your heart is just open and your mind is open to say, God, I want to hear what you're saying. Even drown out, cancel out that Kylie chick, but I want to hear what you are saying. One of the greatest compliments anyone ever paid me just as a preacher, as this um, person from this church um, said to me, oh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Michael or someone, but they said this thing, and I was like, oh, I know I said that when I was preaching one time, but I was glad they didn't remember me. I just want you to hear the word of God. So let's just pray, and I invite you to just in your own heart just say, God, I want to hear what you have to say to me today. Lord Jesus, I come to you today as you know, an empty vessel, and I want to bring your word to us as a church and to every person here, and, um, and we just say, Jesus, we want to hear you. We want you to speak into our lives. We thank you that that's your goal today as well. Help us to hear you. Amen. So good. Um, thank you so much, Ruth, for leading us in worship, and that's so true what she was saying about, you know, if people are lifting their hands or whatever, that, that's just how we want to worship. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with someone and you've stood there like a statue as you're talking about something deep and meaningful with your friend. 
we don't really do that, do we? We use our bodies a lot. Uh, it's just body language and we, we do things like move and wave our hands and all that kind of stuff. It's just in our conversation to God, it's just body language because um, it's weird to have a conversation and be a statue. That's the weird bit, not moving your hands. That's kind of normal. Have a try later on today and be totally still and look really bored too and see if that is the normal bit during praise and worship. You'll find that it's not. So I encourage you to lift your hands. So today we're going to get into the Word of God and we're going to start with a story that Jesus told, a masterful storyteller that he is. Uh, And it's in Luke um, chapter 18, uh, verse 10, I think we're going to start with. Karen's going to put it up on the screens and um, you may have your Bibles or version on your phone or something. Just a reminder, if you are new, um, that when people get their phones out, they're 90% chance they're not looking on Facebook. They're probably taking notes or, um, you know, looking on the Bible app. I brought a friend to church and during the preaching time, everyone kind of got out their phones to take notes and she went, Oh, yep, and got out her phone and went straight to Facebook. I was like, oh, it's not quite what they're doing or not what they're meant to be doing. <laughs> That's what's going on most likely if you see all the phones around you now. If you don't have the Bible app on your phone, come and talk to me afterwards. I'll get it for you. So two men, this is what Jesus told this story. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee and the other a despised tax collector, not just a normal one, a despised one. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Oh, there's more. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income into the temple. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he dared not even open his eyes, lift up his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God, so made right in God's eyes. Because people who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So maybe show a wave of hands, and if you've heard this story before that Jesus told, just wave your little hand. A lot of people in this room, commonly we use it to talk about prayer and things like that, and have a humble heart before God. But I'd like just for a moment for us to imagine that we've never heard it before, and that we're standing there the very first time that Jesus says it. So what they would have heard is Jesus talking about a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee is like a religious leader. They've got some political clout. They were respected. They're like well-learned. I was trying to think of a um, type of person like that in today's culture, and I couldn't really think of anyone. But I was thinking maybe like a generation or two ago before Google that um, people sort of thought of doctors that way and priests, didn't they? Like 
They've got more information. They're, they're learned. They're like the elders in our society. They're respected. You'd never say that they're wrong. You'd go to them for answers. That's how the Pharisees were thought of. They were the religious teachers and leaders. They, they, they surely, as Jesus introduces this Pharisee, surely they're the, the God ones. And then he says this prayer, which we all go, good grief, you got tickets on yourself, man. But actually it was in line with the general prayer that the men would have said every day, God, I thank you that I am not like others. It was actually a prayer that they said, I'm not a woman, I'm not a, I'm not a what was the other ones? Other bits as well. So um, they would have gone, yep, he's praying, he's giving his money, he's fasting, he's a legit, God's definitely going to be pleased with this guy. And then Jesus introduces the tax collector. Most of us will do our taxes online or chuck our stuff to the accountant, but tax collectors in their day, total bad guys. They already knew Jesus is setting up like, okay, there's a good guy and he's definitely the bad guy, the despised tax collector. The tax collector was a Jewish man working for Rome. Total traitor. Rome is like this oppressing nation over the Jewish people. And what would happen is the Jewish people would like rebel and have riots and stuff. And then Rome would counteract by just crucifying hundreds of them. They lived in fear. They lived under the oppression of Rome. And a tax collector was a Jewish person who's getting taxes from his own people for the Romans. And because he was so despised, he'd often take extra and kind of be like exhorting money from the people. So he's the bad guy. Think about like a Nazi Germany, early Nazi Germany, and you've got a Jewish person like going around, uh, you know, capturing Jews for the Nazis. This is really what it was like. They are total bad guys. And then Jesus, in this really short story, tips everything on its head and major plot twist says this guy, the Pharisee, his prayer is not acceptable to God. And this guy, the scumbag, the despised one, his prayer is acceptable to God. They would have been listening going, you what? How does that even make sense? He's doing all the right things. He's doing all the wrong things. And yet he's somehow made good with God. It doesn't really make sense. Didn't make sense to them. It doesn't really make sense to us. But Jesus is trying to show us, and he continues to today, certainly to me last week. I'll tell you more about that soon. He's pointing out that the way that we understand our friendship with God is upside down and back to front and all wrong. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't put you any more in the good books or the bad books with whether God wants to love you or not. I met this guy once, Steve, really tall, skinny guy, and he proudly told me that he had never missed a church on Sunday his entire life since he was born. His mum always took him, his parents always took him, and then he always had been his entire life. But guess what? He gets no extra points for that. He's like the Pharisee. He gets no points at all. You could be here for the first time today in your entire life, and maybe the last time, and you have the same level of standing in God's eyes as Steve does. And somehow, especially when we're Steve, 
we think that's not fair or that doesn't make sense somehow. And God is saying that's because my ways are above yours and my thoughts are above yours. And I actually look at it totally differently. This is a little bit how God looks at things. Imagine that you're a parent and you've got three kids, a baby, a toddler who's just learning to walk, and a five-year-old. What a delightful household you must have. (laughs) Now let's say the, the toddler starts to walk. As the toddler starts to walk, do you think to yourself, oh, now we have a greater obligation to, you know, parent the toddler. We obviously owe them more in life. No? Do you think, well, we, now we need to love this one more. Well, now I just do love this one more. Not like that baby uselessly sitting there, not even walking yet. No, we don't think that. What about if the toddler keeps falling down as they're learning to walk? Do you think, let's dump this dud and just keep the five-year-old Imagine the five-year-old. You've probably heard five-year-olds brag like this. It's quite immature. I walk all the time and I never fall down. And I go to school. I stay standing up all day long. That's like the prayer of the Pharisee. So you're not committing adultery and you're not robbing people. Well, that's what you're meant to not do. You don't get extra points for that. Like you don't get extra points for breathing. That's how you're meant to be doing stuff. God's saying, that doesn't make me love you more. And to the tax collector, just like a baby not walking yet, or the toddler falling down, it doesn't make me love you any less. There's no level of like, oh, now you've been too bad, you're ineligible now for God to love you. Because God's way of looking at us is totally different than how we run friendships and relationships, which is largely uh, earning-based, isn't it? Even if you think of like massively unconditional love, like you've been married for decades and decades and decades, you can still betray that person to the extent that they'll leave you and you've broken the relationship for good. Or it may take many, many years of hard work to earn back that level of trust and intimacy again, won't it? And maybe you'll never be able to achieve it. But the relationship with God or that God offers is not like that at all. There's no way we can earn it in any way. So this is the one thing I want to say today, that the gift of faith in Jesus is free, totally free. And sometimes when we've been Christians for a long time, we think, yeah, yeah, I know that. Grace is free, grace, grace, grace. Yeah, we live in the grace and not under the law and no works and all that kind of stuff. But we absolutely Don't think like that in our natural and we need to revisit it time and time again and evaluate our lives and our thinking so we don't end up like this guy, the Pharisee. And I'll tell you what brought this verse to mind a few weeks ago. I accidentally, totally did not mean to do this, but I accidentally, I was watching this really great Christian YouTube clip and I accidentally lowered my eyes to the comment section. And I saw comments, (laughs) never do it, never do it, don't do it. And what happened was there's a bunch of Christians, people saying they're Christians, and they're all fighting against each other. And I was like, oh, no, thank you, God, that I'm not like that. (sighs) Thank you, God, that I would never write anything in the comment section, so dumb. Don't, haven't they even read the Bible where it specifically says, like, not to have arguments with other Christians in front of everyone else? Like, thank you, God, that I know that and that I'm better than them. And then I think it was like the next day, 
I stumbled across this Pharisee. I was like, hmm, thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. I was like, oh, oops. If you, already I want to justify myself to you and say, I'm not going to judge you if you come to me. I'm not, I'm not judgmental in any way, but can I really say that? Until you can look at that comment section in YouTube and have no judgment, then we've still got a little bit in our spirits. Don't put yourself in temptation's way. Is my message about that. But the gift of faith in Jesus is free, totally free. You can't earn it, you can't work for it, you can't buy it, you can't even search for it. I thought I was searching for God and then I found him, but that's still a misunderstanding of what was happening on. Uh, God finds us to believe in Jesus. It's just a free gift that Jesus is given to us as a gift to understand. We only just get to receive it. Here are some Bible verses that explain that. John chapter 1 verse 12, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To as many as received him. That's it. It's a very short line. You just have to receive the gift that God is giving and then he gives you the right to become children of God. In Romans 10, 9, it says, you'll know this one if you're a Christian, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. No special course you have to go on, no secret rituals, no no nothing. It's just confess with your heart and, and with your mouth and believe in your heart and just receive the gift of faith that he is giving us. Ephesians 2, 8, it says, For it is by grace that we are saved through faith, through faith in Jesus. And it's not from ourselves, it's a gift from God. Not from works, so that no one can boast, like the Pharisee was doing. And that's how he was getting it wrong. He was thinking, i got all this good stuff happening in my life because I don't commit adultery. I don't do the sins. I don't rob people. I'm not a sinner. And God's... God's saying, that's not really what's happening here. You're taking all the glory for yourself, but you only have those good things in your life because God has placed them there. It's not by works so that no one can boast. So the Bible is crystal clear that we have a relationship with God simply by receiving the gift of faith in Jesus, and it's all grace, a free gift of grace. The HELPS word study, which is like a Greek translation of the word, a bit of a word study on that word grace in that verse, is beautiful. It means disposed to and inclines towards, favorable and leaning towards. It said it's first and foremost used of the Lord's favor as he freely extends himself to give himself away to us, leaning towards us, inclining towards us. He's disposed to bless us and to be near us. So grace is really an incredible picture of, you might think my life is in tatters. I'm not, I'm like that toddler, I've fallen down and I can't even get up. Grace is a picture of it's all God doing the lifting, isn't it? Uh, We had, you might have met him, we had my um, little nieces and nephews staying with us over the past couple of weeks and Harley was this cute little three-year-old. I forgot what it was like to have three-year-olds in the house. Uh, good on you, Bill. You're doing a good job there. 
babies and toddlers. Um, funny thing, he was really good in the car and he's singing away and moving and stuff. But every time we'd get to a location, our destination, he would just kind of like go like a sack of potatoes. He wouldn't take the belt off or get his belt off or try to get out of the car at all. He would just kind of like sack of potatoes style and look at me. Um, I'd have to like reach in and take the belt off and take it all off him and move his legs. And he didn't like put his arms up to help me, he didn't stretch out, nothing. Like how unreasonable is this kid? He'd just look at me, arms down, but after moving the whole trip, he'd just be like, you want me out of this car? You do it, lady. That was his look. And I'd have to bend my back to get him out and get all the stuff off. But I thought, that's really, of course, I wanted him to get out of the car eventually, so I'd have to do it. I tried leaving him in the car one time, and I left the door open, but he just still stayed there like this. And I thought, that's really a picture of grace, isn't it? We don't have the ability to even, like, help ourselves in any way when we've become slaves to sin and rebellion against God's ways. We're just kind of lost, and we don't have any way to help ourselves out of it. And God does all the lifting because he wants us to get out of that. He's like, yeah, I do. I'm coming in, and I've got the strength to pull you all the way out. And all we have to do is allow him, just receive it and allow him. But, of course, we overcomplicate things. And there's three challenges, I think, out of this um, that have really come to mind, ways that we overcomplicate things. And the first is, which I'm sure many of you have been through, we just don't think that we're worthy enough. We just don't think we deserve it enough. We somehow can't, it becomes like a barrier. We can't ask God for help because we, we just don't think we're worth it somehow. We don't deserve him to help us. And that can stop us from asking him and it can stop us from receiving the free gift that he wants to give because we think, well, there's no way I can pay you back or be worthwhile or be good enough. And so it stops us from receiving. The second challenge is there is a constant temptation for all believers, in the, especially in the Western world, that we keep just going back to being that Pharisee. Like that song said that, you know, surely, we think surely love and mercy will follow me all the days of our life because I'm so good. I follow all the rules. I go to church all the time. I'm on all the rosters. I give money to the poor. I volunteer at Christmas. Um, I've got it all. I never commit adultery. I'm really, really good, and that's why my life is so awesome. There's a constant temptation to think that the blessings in our lives are because of our greatness, and we take credit for it. And thirdly, a real challenge when we come to embrace this, yeah, it's a totally free gift that God gives us, is that we can um, become over-familiar with, and we can take it for granted, to the point where we may even dismiss the call of God in our life to do anything. We think, no, I don't have to do any works at all, because God has freely given me his free gift of faith. Thinking that doing good deeds and like works has something to do with earning God's favor, and I definitely don't have to do that. Whereas what really is occurring is that in our creation, God has put a mandate within us to live in a certain way, to breathe and eat and, uh, you know, move around and to love each other and to serve each other and to build God's kingdom. 
that's not to get God's favour. It's to be the people that we were created to be. So I just want to refute those three things that come from a wrong understanding of the free gift of grace. Number one, if you feel unworthy, if you think, I can't really keep bothering God, or I'm never going to be good enough, or it's all very well that he died on the cross for others, but he could never forgive me for what I've done. The Word of God says, Roman 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It already happened. You've seen people walking around with the cross. It already happened before you were born. While we were still sinners, before we had done anything good, there's no level of chaos or wrongdoing in our lives that will make us ineligible. And he'll, he's not waiting to see if we shape up before he then dies on the cross and rises again. He's already done it. And he's just waiting for you to receive it. Number two, if we start to think our life is so great because of all of our excellent planning and all of our hard work, let's see what the Word of God says about that. And you can open to any page, any time, and find anything to refute that. Titus 3.5, he saved us not on the basis of our deeds, things that we have done in our righteousness, but according to his mercy. Galatians 2.16, a person is not justified by their works. We can't ever make ourselves right through our works, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And remember, Ephesians 2.18, it is a free gift, not through our works, so that no one can boast. So if we find ourselves boasting, something's gone wrong. Number three, if we begin to take our faith for granted, if we begin to think, that's it, I'm in, I'm free, I'm a child of God, and that's, I'll just run the rest of my life how I want now. There is a wrong understanding in there somewhere. In Romans uh, chapter 6, Paul goes through this whole idea. In 6.15, he says, well, now you live under the freedom of grace. And people might ask, well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can keep on sinning or keep on going about our own way? Of course not. Don't you realize you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? So you have been a slave to sin, which leads to death, and now you can be a slave to God, which leads to glory. Verse 22, for now you are free from the power of sin, you've become a slave to God. Do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So when we follow Jesus, our righteous living will then come second to it. We're free to live a life of Jesus. We don't have to get any points in him. But it's not about doing good things so that we get more points or that we keep our salvation or something like that. That part's all free. Now it's out of the overflow of our heart of love for Jesus, for giving us a free gift of faith, for giving us unconditional love, for giving us everlasting hope, total free, free, free hope, total free forgiveness, total free unconditional love. And so everything else will just flow out of that overflowing love that we have for him. That's why it's weird when people say, oh, I don't, I don't have to go to church, so I'm not going to. Oh, God will still love me if I stay at home. 
That's totally true, but we don't come to church under an obligation. In fact, Christians never even should think they're coming to church. We gather together as the church in the same way that you would be part of like your best friend's wedding. You, you've got to be there, otherwise the wedding isn't complete. You've got to be there because that's where you want to be. What else would you be doing? You'd be there to celebrate together and you're honoured to be part of it and to be invited. That's why we gather together as church, not because of an obligation. That's why we love other people. That's why we serve the church. That's why we serve others uh, just out of the overflow of the love of God. And so Jesus tells us to evaluate our faith. Just for a moment, take a moment now and evaluate, you know, maybe just this last week, how are things going in the faith department for your, for your life? Jesus said we can, uh, we can test things by their fruits. And uh, in James chapter 2, it says, um, you know, faith without works is dead. It talks about uh, that being the natural outcome of our faith. So if we're not seeing any fruit, if we're not seeing that we're actually living our faith, acting out our faith, we're not stepping out of our comfort zone to serve others, if that hasn't been happening this week, um, then that might be an indicator that your faith is growing cold or that you're taking for granted the free gift of faith that God has given us. In 2 Timothy, it says, if you find that, then fan into flame the gift of faith. Fan it into flame, stoke it up and say, well, this week, how can I fan that gift into flame? What can I do to be activating that faith? To say, I love you, Jesus. And out of the overflow of that, I'm going to be kind to that person who's a crazy despised tax collector. I'm going to reach out in my life and, and I'm going to overflow that and not be just concerned with my life. So... To sum up, if I just ask the music team to come up, just the musicians, thanks. Come on down. So this is what we need to know. Oh, there's three things. So this is what we need to know. Faith in Jesus, the only way we can become a believer in Jesus, the only way you have become a believer in Jesus is not through your own awesomeness, but it's because you've received a free gift from God. You've just received this free gift. It's like winning lotto. You did nothing for it. You just held out your hands to receive it. Why do we need to know this? We need to know this so we don't become like the tax collector. We need to know this so that the church doesn't become like the tax collector, so that the world might think, you know, Jesus thinks, looks down on us. Jesus looks down on people who haven't come to him yet. The world must never think that. As a church, we always have to have a humble heart and we have to be showing people that the gift of faith is free. People may think, how do I come to a faith in Jesus? Do I have to study? Is it really complicated? All you need to do is ask Jesus. If you're a believer in Jesus, you probably can think right now of a time that you just simply asked Jesus into your life. We definitely don't want to complicate matters for other people and make it seem like they have to know every scrap of theology. All they have to do is ask. And God is willing to offer 
this free gift of faith. He's like the worst shop attendant in the world, just giving away freely his most prized possession to anyone who asks, whether we think it's fair or not. And thirdly, what shall we do about this now? So if you are a Christian, you'd probably be able to finish this sentence. What do we do if we have freely received? Yell it out. Good yelling. Freely give. We have freely received the gift of faith, and it is time for us to freely give it. To In any way we can, just be sharing that gift of faith with other people. When people tell you they're going through a hard time, just share your gift of faith. This is what I would do. I would pray. I'm going to pray for you. You know, I've heard this scripture. There's a verse that God said, God loves you all the way through it. I know it seems like a hard time, but I believe that God can help you through to the other side. Just share your gift of faith in the tiniest little sentences, like a sprinkling of hundreds and thousands or a sprinkling of seeds, any any chance that you possibly get. Freely give it away. And if you don't have that faith in Jesus today, let's take a moment and I'll ask if the lights could just be dimmed a little bit. And we'll just give you a chance to pray. The Bible says, why wait? Why wait? Let's just pray right now. So I just ask everyone to close their eyes. And if you have never asked Jesus if you've never asked Jesus to be in your life or if you've never put out your hands and said, I want to receive that free gift of faith, if you've thought, how do I get God into my life? All you need to do right now is just ask. Maybe just in your lap as a sign, you might want to just open your hands up just like this, just as a sign that, God, I want to receive this gift from you. Let's pray together. If, if, you, if you'd like to pray this prayer, just say it in your heart to God right now. Lord Jesus, I don't deserve it, but I want your gift of faith. Now open my hands, now open my heart, now open my life to receive it now. For all those of us who are believers, let's just pray now as well. Lord, may we, may we be aware of when our minds and our hearts lead us down that track to being like the Pharisee. When we accidentally think that we're better than others in any way. When we think the amazing blessing in our life is credited to us. Or when in any way we think we have to be good enough to earn your love. Our hearts are right, your word says, when we have received the free gift of faith in Jesus. And that's it. So we come to you like the tax collector today. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. But if you would just fill us with your love, your hope, your Holy Spirit, we receive that today. I pray for every believer here that you would empower us to freely give, to share that faith with others in our lives, in 
even mind you, even now, Jesus, that you'd bring to mind people that you want us to share that gift of faith with. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.